listening to the Confessions of a Clairvoyant Housewife podcast. From marriage to menopause and margaritas, nothing is off the table. This is Cindy Goldenberg. Hello, everyone. I hope you're all doing well. I, first of all, would like to apologize for taking this much-needed time off from doing my podcasts because I had a few health challenges, but I am feeling so much better. And I thank all my friends and uh, people that I know for your prayers and good wishes. Sometimes when you get older and you get sciatic nerve pain, it becomes a lot to deal with and it consumes you. But I have a good medical team and I'm on the mend. So thank you so much. Saying that, It's kind of a reflection of being in physical pain, especially during COVID. I had to stay in and self-nurture and take care. And then with everything that happened with George Floyd, Black Lives Matter, racism, riots, hatred, anger, sorrow, all of this upheaval and change in our, quote, status quo, it was actually a good time to be quiet, go inward, observe, pray, and connect again with God, nature, and each other. As probably many of you are, or if not, It's a personal preference. A lot of you are on like-minded websites or through Facebook or Instagram friends with like-minded people and you put out opinions or thoughts or prayers or you're on like prayer requests where you all support the same vision. And Sometimes, even though it feels like we're not doing enough and we have to do and be busy and make changes or we have to protest or we have to say something, if so, do. But just know your thought and your intention is powerful and be guided in your intention that it is pure and that it is good for yourself and for the greater good of many. And that is very powerful and that is enough. So, what I'd like to share, without going into a political statement, because the death of George Floyd and so many other black people and brown people, it's just so unnecessary, so sad, so deplorable and abhorrent that I feel like there is a lot of information that you can extrapolate and meditate on or follow or read on your own. But I have enjoyed watching uh, what certain people say or the funeral services or just the clearing of the slate and the rebuilding that we are doing 
one person in particular that I truly admire, regardless of her running for president or not, is Marianne Williamson. She is a practicing Jew. She was born of the Jewish religion. But in the 80s, she picked up a book called A Course in Miracles, which is Christian-like in essence, and it is a channeled book by two people that did not like each other that were professors in um, a university, and they basically could hear, and one literally took dictation, Helen Schumer, or Schuler, I can't re remember her name right now, and took dictation of a Christ mind. Some people say it's Jesus. Some people say it's Jesus Christ, Christ consciousness, whatever it is. It is a beautiful book, very thick, about forgiveness. It's deep. It's esoteric. It is profound. But Marianne Williamson sat down and read it and her life changed, and she is such a God-given gift to all of us for spirituality, for pioneering a practical psychotherapy, which A Course in Miracle is, which is about perspectives and looking at things differently, without labels, without up or down, black or white, without judgment to learn discernment and to incorporate forgiveness for yourself and for others in a biblical way of anecdotal methods, maybe, but it is not truly religious. It is more philosophy in knowing that we are always connected that the Christed mind, we are all one. We are all one with that universal intelligence and that there is one creator or God or love and that we are one, but we are part of that creator. Anyway, it gets pretty technical and I don't want to go on and on about it right now, but I will read from it a little bit. But I just say, A Return to Love, Marianne Williamson's best-selling book in the mid-90s, was kind of like a cliff notes of A Course in Miracles. It was her perspective of how she learned to look at things differently. When I first started, when my daughter was born, to do this kind of spiritual work or discovery. It wasn't work or discovery. It was basically, I had a baby, uh, I'm tired, I'll read a book or two, I stay up in the middle of the night, I, I feed her, I, you know, a newborn. And my son was eight years old, so, you know, I was tired and one day, I felt like going to a luncheon for ladies, and there were men there, too, and it was another uh, author 
on angels and spirituality. And when I went, I had a nice cloth napkin lunch and went in a hotel and got to get dressed and take my baby to my mom to babysit and have a nice afternoon for myself. And it turned into a weekend of lectures and I kept hearing the word forgiveness and I'd already had a handful of books on different spirituality and metaphysics but I heard about A Course in Miracles so I went back to the bookstore and bought it and oh my god I inhaled it I remember doing 2 a.m. feedings and 3.30 and 4 and just leaving the light on and absorbing this book and feeling and hearing voices and beings and angels and Christed and Jesus and Buddha and whatever you want to call it, just a symphony of bliss. And my life changed forever. So I always, this is my go-to book. I use it as an oracle. I just pick it up and I open it up and whatever be it one line or one paragraph that I need to hear or read. It puts everything into perspective. So I highly recommend it. Or you can just look at certain passages or books that are like daily affirmations or prayers or observances that are from A Course in Miracles. Or you can listen to Marianne Williamson or some of her lectures from years ago or even last week. They're all based in a beautiful spirituality of connectedness, of forgiveness, of knowingness, and remembrance. Saying that, I'd like to share my meditation and my prayer that I had because I did want to ask what I could say and what I could share. But I'm also guided to read from my husband's book that he wrote years ago called Pardon My Prejudice, America's Excuse for Bigotry. His name is David Goldenberg. And like I've said and complained and mocked and bitched and moaned about being married for a thousand years, etc. But really, um, it's been almost 40 years. We met in 1981. I was in law school. I met him on a film. He was a production assistant and I was an extra and it was a way to make some money living in L.A. And it was better than just my nighttime job that I had at a restaurant. Anyway, we dated, but I liked him very much right away because he was very intelligent and he was funny. And But I was older, you know, like, by that time, I don't know, 24, 25, so I had already dated enough to not need to be pursued. Uh, in other words, I was used to being alone a lot. But one of the things that we enjoyed talking about was religion and philosophy and spirituality, and not in a very deep, dogmatic way. It would be like in between watching movies and um, staying up all night and eating junk food and popcorn. And and he'd turn around and, and talk about 
Christianity and the Bible and literature because he got his degree before he got a degree in film. He got his degree in art history, and all of art history is Christianity. It's the Bible. It's the history. And for a Jewish man that loves films and cinema and music and overtures and everything, he has seen the movie Spartacus and Ben-Hur eight million gajillion times. This man loves biblical films, especially those two. And I said, David, what, what, like what, 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 what's, what's the deal? And he just goes, you know, regardless of what religion or how you're raised, you can't ignore Jesus's teachings. I mean, the teachings are there and they're good and they're simple. I mean, you love one another you love your enemy, you, you know, put it in a way that you can understand it, but really the teachings are quite clear, they're quite easy, and why everyone doesn't get it, I don't get. But he would go on and on and tell me more about the New Testament and the Old Testament because he really enjoyed literature, and he looked at the Bible as a classic literature. He also loved a universal kind of way of thinking. He said, regardless of religion, what is it about a rose and the scent and the beauty or nature or something that looks at us or reflects it? We would get into these talks and he just, he didn't sound like yoga airy-fairy kind of guy. Not that I don't like you yoga airy-fairy guys because I do, but you know what I'm saying. He just put it in a way that was so matter-of-fact. So saying that, one of my first memories of us being together in the first few months were these very deep and exciting and fun talks where we'd watch the sun come up about religion in a different way, about spirituality in a different way, Judaism, Buddhism, Christianity in a different way. And then the other thing that was very evident was his wit and his fire-rapid intelligence and his abhorrent disdain for prejudice, just like me. He thought, you know, frickin' low life. Who the frick talks like this? And, you know, Jesus Christ, and God, and this and that, and this and that, and this and that. And he'd smirk, and he'd say something, and he'd go, you know, I'm a Jew. You don't think I hear it all the time? Everybody hates the Jews, and no, 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 And I go, why is that? Why is that? And why is it? And so we would talk, but he educated me, but he also, it didn't matter what he was raised or what I was raised. We would both just quickly look in each other's eyes like, what is it about people that makes them so entitled or arrogant? And not just the South, or not just the North, or not just Germany, or not just Europe, or not just Muslim. I mean, we were nice and kind and always were to our maids, Latina, uh, Mexican, Hispanic, 
we were always fair and nice to anyone of any difference in our community. We were always fair and nice to black, to brown, to Asian. To We were always listening and laughing and asking questions and engaging with people because it was the norm. We liked it. But we couldn't understand why people said or did the things that they did. So we always had that in common. So now fast forward years later, I'm writing a few little spiritual principles in my book, you know, which has been years ago. And David said, I want to write a book about prejudice because it just bothers me so much. I said, okay. So we put it aside. We both self-published. It's been a long time. But he is now offering it, and I can post it on my website as well as other sites where you can request it, and I can send it to you as an ebook. But it's his anecdotal stories of his observances of us living in beautiful, mostly white, upper middle class privileged South Orange County, Laguna Niguel, living near the beach having everything at our fingertips, going to really good schools for our children, having a retail store of home theater equipment, of movie rentals, and having all kinds of customers come in that were always welcome, sometimes or a lot of times, especially Friday and Saturday nights, with beer, wine, and uh, a little mix of cheese and and people would hang out in the store kind of like cheers the bar you know remember that sitcom but the things that the people would say and the remarks or the ignorance that would come out of people's mouths David would sometimes laugh and go, what? Hey, dude, guy, wait, hold on. Or he'd just look at someone and go, get out. So his book has these anecdotal stories, but it's also full of some facts. And the other thing, backing up to when we first met, he has always supported this charity the Southern Poverty Law Center, Morris D's, and they are the oldest Ku Klux Klan, skinhead, um, you know, that kind of groups. Uh, they track, and they are attorneys, and they have prosecuted and won landmark cases. And I never had heard of them. I mean, I knew there was like, Wiesenthal and other kind of organizations, but I didn't know there was a charity called the Southern Poverty Law Center. And he said, oh, yeah, no. And so he talks about it in his book. But I'm going to read from his paperback some of the words that he wrote because I think it's pertinent in talking about these past events with George Lloyd and so many other people and where we're at and where we want to be. 
So in David's book, Pardon My Prejudice, he writes about the Southern Poverty Law Center. There must be fertile ground in which to nurture bigotry, for it is so widespread and pervasive. Beyond your friend or relative who spouts thoughtless racist remarks, well-established and funded hate groups throughout the nation promote racist notions and encourage new membership. The Southern Poverty Law Center, a nonprofit organization that promotes tolerance and education regarding racism, tracks these groups and reports on their activities and locations. The center stands firmly for human rights and constitutional freedom. Its legal staff prosecutes perpetrators of hate crimes, including such organizations as the Ku Klux Klan, neo-Nazi and militia groups, and other fascist and racist organizations. Morris Dees, an attorney in Alabama who had the largest book publishing company in the South, founded the center in 1971. He and Joe Levin, another attorney, shared a vision of racial equality. Together they started a small civil rights law firm in Montgomery, Alabama that eventually grew into the Southern Poverty Law Center. Today, the center is internationally known for tolerance teachings and for prosecuting white supremacists, hate groups, and individuals. The center is also the site of the National Civil Rights Monument. Designed by Vietnam Veterans Memorial Center Maya Lin, the monument honors the memory of those who died during the Civil Rights Movement. The center's mission is to, quote, win equal rights for poor people and minorities by taking high-risk cases. So, as I read that, I think, well, this is something he wrote over 15 years ago, but this was something he was a part of since the 70s. And even though this organization is still very busy and now has technology and internet and, and everything else, it's sad and unfortunate to say that this mindset of racism is still going on in 2020. David continues writing and saying, Organized hate groups commit 15% of all hate crimes. They also influence many more persons to follow their violent example. Racist skinheads, for, for instance, often depend on hate groups for their slogans and leadership. What motivates this need to attack members of a minority group? Is it the need to belong to a club? Is it for monetary gain? It's an extraordinary intellectual leap from fear of the difference of someone's appearance to hatred of that difference. To own this much hate has to be one's passion. To support this mindset takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. 
this prejudicial ideal must be made a priority with conviction. It takes more than mere effort. It takes constant fueling. An individual can rise above prejudice. Once racism takes hold, the result can be deadly. He goes on to give some facts and figures and say daily throughout the United States, men, women, and children are tortured, brutalized, and murdered simply because of their beliefs, their race, or their sexual orientation. So when you read all this, it's something that, yes, we can track. Yes, we can have organizations, but they're, like David said, what is it? What is it? that promulgates or that the human needs to do this. David continues by saying, hate is powerful and can be transmitted easily to others through inciting words. Hate can evoke attack, organize deeds, and carry individuals and groups across a murderous threshold. It's time for us to reconsider our treatment of people in our society who deserve the same legal protection and rights as everyone, regardless of what they look like, how they pray, or with whom they have adult consensual sex with. The assumption by those of us who think that we are normal and others are not is absurd. Where is the standard of normality and who is its keeper? There is none. It's a matter of the heart and of our compassion for each other. Bigotry is easy. Understanding takes patience, wisdom, and sometimes forbearance. The Southern Poverty Law Center says, Teach tolerance because acceptance sometimes is too hard a goal to unlearn what we have been taught throughout our lives, and in some cases for several generations, takes time. Martin Luther King said, I have a dream. It is a dream to think of a world without prejudice and hatred based on stereotype. King said he looked forward to a time when men would judge other men on the basis of character and not skin color. What a leap to imagine people not judging other people except as reflections of themselves. I thought that was so poignant and it made me reflect that this is how he spoke when we met and this is how he even speaks today. So before... I found that passage. I sat down and listened to music for an hour and meditated. And after a while, I just channeled. And when I channel, what I'm saying is, it's like hearing dictation, but it is not me, but I am part of it. It is not one person. It is more than one. It is, in truth, we all are one, but it feels like familiar personalities. 
and some of them are higher selves. Some are there, my higher soul's spirit. Some of them are Christed beings. Some of them are Christ consciousness. Some of them are angels. And some may be even myself. But if you take a breath and release and feel the rhythm and flow of the love that goes through your heart, please receive these words that I heard. Capture your imagination by releasing what you no longer need. Exhale. Just exhale. Let go. And then I heard George Floyd say, I can breathe. I'm alive. I can breathe. Then I could hear another personality that said there is a story to be told, one that endures through time, one that stands still for today. Peace, freedom from tyranny, guilt, shame, persecution, and fear. And then I heard my higher self say, why do we keep hurting ourselves and one another? What is this fall from grace? Why can't we live in harmony? Did we ever? Why can't we just be kind to one another? I forgive. I forgive. I forgive. And then I heard, a voice as a story saying, yes, but I cannot let go. I am strong, but I am not you, God. I hold on to retaliate, to defend, to do what seems right by me, for me. So how do I let go? Let go. Let God let love live. Let us be. Just be. And then I heard him, the Christ voice. Take my hand, for I am never far. I am right here before you. Yes, I made sacrifices. Many of you did. But what makes me special? is that I know I didn't do it for myself. I did it for us, for all of us. That is your ticket, your revenue, to ignite joy in others. Give of yourself, but not from an ego point of view. Give of your heart. Let it fly. Be prepared to signal, to see. The stars shine like they've never shone before. Other beings? Other worlds? Maybe. Or maybe just remember, we've been here before. Or remember of where we're going. Don't hold back. Open your heart. Feel the love you have for yourself regardless of 
who or where you were raised. You are a beautiful, rich enigma of solid mass, structure, yet you have pioneered this before. You have brought many like you with you into this atmosphere, into this reality, only to be downtrodden by guilt and shame and humiliation and more. Rise above it. Rise above it. Not through language, not through an awakened purpose, but more like a structure of knowing where to follow, to step inside and glide into a new reality of purpose, dignity, and more. This is your time. A new way of being, a new reality, a new way to want to be, unselfish and loved for it, unguarded, and praised for it, unpretentious and admired for it. The truth has always been here. Regardless of what we think or feel, it knows. It has its own origins. It knows how to land. It knows how to blossom. And it knows how to come forward. So what is your role? to be one with that which made you. Love. Love, serenity, William, willingness, participation, creation. See it. Observe it. Know it is part of you and you are part of it. Yet you are merely providing a way to express yourself. It's all behind you now, I promise. This world as you know it will change. Yes, for the better, for the greater good of many. Stop talking. Reach. Teach. Share. Laugh. Begin anew. Each moment is new. And then there's another one. And another one. We are strong, yet it is okay to be tender, to feel afraid, or alone. It sparks a memory of when we were lost. There will be a new wave, a tidal wave, of new unfolding information that will lead to a new documented lifestyle, freedoms, higher intelligence, equality, restructuring, reframing of ideas to where everyone benefits. Not at the same time, of course, but eventually it will, and it will lead to a new path where the only answer will be a short one, to trust one another, to know that you cannot go wrong, that you'll be loved, supported, now and in all ways of time. Forgiveness is the key, not for the many. Only a few need ignite this gigantic force. Let it be with what it is. It is a limitation for many. But believe that this is only the beginning. 
of a new life, a new pathway for all to be heralded, adored, and loved. I love you. Amen. And I have felt this beautiful voice on so many times before, and I love that I can capture it and be whatever it means to you, regardless of your religion, if you call it Jesus, Buddha, Yogananda, or just your guardian angels, know that it's real. And now from A Course in Miracles, I found a passage that is very similar to this Christ mind. And in A Course in Miracles, the Christ consciousness says, My mind will always be like yours because we were created as equals. It was only my decision that gave me all power in heaven and on earth. My only gift to you is to help you make the same decision. This decision is the choice to share it because the decision itself is the decision to share. It is made by giving and therefore the one choice that resembles true creation. I am your model for decision. By deciding for God, I showed you that this decision can be made and that you can make it. So I read that and I thought, let's decide to make a conscious choice that we are part of something that cannot fail, that we are part of something so magnanimous, so eternal, so limitless so loving, so knowing. We don't have to be. We are part of that expression, but we can choose to remember, and we can choose to share it in the way that feels good for us. So as we step forward into these times, be drawn towards volunteering, saying something, doing something, signing something, or thinking something. Be aware that you're on a whole new plane of opportunity. And if others do not feel the same way as you do, let it be. It is not your responsibility to fix. The God only makes great creations even though they may not appear that way. But as we step back, we make room. As we step back, we take care of ourself. As we take care of ourself, we hear our higher self. And as we hear our higher self, we make the decision to share that in the way that we know best. So I want to close by saying this prayer of thanks. As I close my eyes, I say thank you, God, and thank you, angels, and thank you, Christed beings. Thank you for all that we have 
and for all that we are. Thank you for making these moments real in my life and in the people that I talk to and connect with. I value this connection with you, God, as I value my connection with all beings. I value my insight, and I value your guidance, and I really, truly value this inspiration. Forgive us now and always. Forgive those who do not know how. Give us the strength and fortitude to know how to help in your way, not ours. Heal us from our own confusion and despair. Awaken those who forgot, who hold hate in their hearts, indignant, stubborn, and afraid. Forgive us for judging them or becoming like them. Help us help ourselves. Thank you for this day, this moment, this life. Thank you for your love. And on behalf of all those I know and meet, and will know and meet, I accept this responsible thinking. And I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. Amen. Thank you for sharing this moment in time. May you be blessed. May you be inspired. May you be comforted. And may you be surrounded by love, joy, and miracles. God bless you all. Thank you. You have been listening to the Confessions of a Clairvoyant Housewife podcast with intuitive expert Cindy Goldenberg. To learn more or stay connected, be sure to visit www.cindygoldenberg.com.